Hello, lovelies. Welcome to the Fat Joy Podcast, where we talk each week about how to flourish in an anti-fat world. I'm Sophia, a fat person and professional coach who loves talking to other fat people about what it's like to live within oppressive systems that marginalize our bodies and how we still dare to have the audacity and courage to reach towards our collective liberation and embrace our joy. Please know this is an adult content podcast, so there will be swears. We will be talking about harms we've experienced, and we will be rebelling against diet culture, anti-fatness, ableism, racism, etc. If you'd like to support the Fat Joy podcast and get bonus content as a thank you, please check us out at patreon.com slash fatjoy. I am so glad you're here with us. Enjoy. Hello, lovelies. Welcome back to the Fat Joy Podcast. I'm joined today by Nia Patterson, who, of course, I met and followed on Instagram. Um, Nia is doing a whole bunch of cool stuff, and I want to talk about all of it (laughs) because it all is so, so interesting, including their own podcast. So we'll talk about that, too. And so, Nia, I'm just so happy you're here with me. Thank you for joining. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad to be here. Excellent. Um, So, Nia, why don't you start by telling us about yourself? Sure. Um, Sometimes I feel like when people ask me to talk about myself, I'm always like, is this the job interview spiel or is this the dating, like, spiel? Like, like, um, I'm 30. Um, What's your sign? (laughs) Right? I'm like a Virgo. I'm like, my big three are like... Virgo Leo Sagittarius oh um, I have Virgo Leo too but I I add in Gemini okay okay I like definitely love the fire but also like overthink everything yeah so <laughs> perfect solid, perfect solid uh human being <laughs> I identify as non-binary um I identify as non-binary trans and um let's see I am a dog parent of two and what kind kind? i have one big golden retriever and a chihuahua mix Um, oh cute so like really big and really little i mean i had the goal that like one of them would ride the other one like into (laughs) battle but like i don't i don't know if they're gonna go for it but that's what i was hoping Um, (laughs) and um let's see what else i I mean, I spend far too much time on social media, but also having it be your life and business means that you spend far too much time on social media. Um, And I am an artist. I'm a singer. I, what else do I do? I mean, like, I feel like I'm always, I'm always doing something. I'm always doing something. And um, let's see what else I, I love rainbows. I love businesses. I'm I'm an ADHD go hard. Um, I like to write. Um, yeah, I kind of do. I do all the things and I wear all the hats. And, you know, I'm okay with it. But also it's a little overwhelming sometimes. So I, I take some naps too. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did have one this afternoon. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, I took I, one right before this. Yeah, yay, me too. We were probably napping at the same time. I love exactly. I need a nap. <laughs> um, so was that the dating or that with the business interview style? I feel like that was a little bit in between. Okay, I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to hire you and date you. It's perfect. Perfect. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that sounds ideal. Um, I love what you were saying about when social is connected to your business, you just spend so much time on social. It's so true, isn't it? Yes. For you, what's the impact of that? Like, how does it impact you? Um, mm, Probably just the fact that, like, the lines blur a little bit. Also, like, I don't have a strong friend group outside, like, in-person friend group outside of social media right now so like a lot of my relationships are like long distance which involves social media and so a lot of times I forget that the world exists this is going to sound very pessimistic I forget that the world exists in like a shitty state yes that it's not 
the world that I encounter on social media. Right. The world that you've curated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find that too. Very similar. I was thinking about that recently where, because I'm spending a lot of time, social isn't my business, but I'm always on social, you know, in terms of wanting to keep up with what's happening in fat lib. And that's where I like find all my guests and people I get inspired by and want to talk to. And then I like, I'll turn on not TV, but cause I don't really watch TV, but I do like Netflix and all the streaming or I'll like see kind of almost like <laughs> the non Sophia curated view of the world. I'm like, and it's very jarring. I'm like, Oh, right. I forgot how curated and very purposefully curated I have done like what I've done for myself in that way to keep for me it feels very connected to safety but then the the jarring of real life can be really harsh yes it's very true it's very true and just I mean I think for me at least like so many of my friends I engage with through social media whether I've made them on social media or um, I've made them in real life and are daily existence is sending each other memes and content through social. And I just, I don't know if there's a way to just like divest from social and I don't, nor do I really want to. Um, but I don't know. I think it's something to think about too. Such an interesting relationship that we have with those platforms. Yeah. One, I imagine some of your friends are probably also fat. Um, and so it's part of one of the communities you belong to. Um, so what's your relationship to the word fat? What has your journey been like with that word? It feels complicated and also not complicated. I was just scrolling through blog articles yesterday and came across an article talking about fatness or fat phobia or something where like the main image was like pink um scrabble chips that said the word fat and I was a little bit like should that like that feels jarring that feels like aggressive but also I know it's just a word but like in that context I was like should mm, I don't know it just like hit me like hmm Hmm. Um, and not like I haven't encountered this word for many, many years, even before I like reclaimed it and like made it my own. But like, sometimes I think like it still hits you and it's like, is that, is that okay with everyone? Like, are we checking the room? Like, are we all good? Are we all good? Um, but yeah, like I think, I think back to like the first time that, I, I mean, this is probably the first time that I was in like my fat liberationist mode, which would have been in elementary school. And I remember, you know, everyone thinking that the word fat was bad. And this was like, I can't remember exactly what year this was, but it was when like the word fat with like a PHA, like PHA yes, yes, was a yes. thing. And I desperately tried to make it a thing at school. Like, I was like, we should be calling all the cool things fat, guys. Like, this is <laughs> this is what we should be saying. Like, obviously. Um, Did and it like, fly? Did it work? No one, no one bought it. No oh, one no. bought it. No one bought it. Um, oh, my gosh. Like, no one, no one was even on that team. And I, like, I don't actively remember, like, being necessarily bullied for, like, being fat, like, in the way that, like... I've heard a lot of people's stories where like, you know, they were like called that like on the bus or like people like threw things at them and like, but I definitely know that around the time that I began to gain weight in my life and be more fat than was like acceptable almost like it was definitely a feeling of unsafety. And so that word was never something that like I wanted to like have put on me almost. Um, and then later in life using that word kind of as a weapon against myself um, in that I desperately didn't want to be fat. I wanted to be thin and like that was the goal at all times. And so you know, I definitely had to go on a journey. And so now where I'm at with it is, 
it's just pretty neutral. Like I will just say it all the time. Like it doesn't feel dirty. It doesn't feel gross. And um, for the most part, I'm okay with it. Although when thin people or straight sized people, whatever we want to call them, um, use it casually or to describe me or any of that, there is a moment of like, hmm, I don't know if I liked that coming out of your mouth. Um, yeah. Like, are they using it the way I want them to be using it? With right. The right tone? Do they understand? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. It's, I mean, I, I feel like there will be people who disagree with me with this, but it's a little bit like when, when like black people use the N word and I'm like, are we all actually okay with this? Yeah. Like, I'm like, I don't know if I want to be called that, even if you are using the A and not the ER. But, like, it's, like, this reclamation of words. And, like, obviously, if a white person used the N-word, it would be, like, game over. But Black people using the N-word, I'm like, I don't know where I stand on this. And so, like, it's so interesting how words can, like, hold so much power over us. Totally. When I was thinking about your other identities too, neurodivergent, you mentioned ADHD, trans, queer, like do those words have a same kind of journey for you or power dynamic in them? I, I didn't really come out as queer, gay, lesbian by all of the words um that you could probably use to describe me until later in life and honestly the words around like sexuality were just like very shameful for me um and so I kind of just like avoided them um and for the most part in my life like I've not been outright bullied with words that have left their mark like that um where like I can point to a moment and go like, oh, I can't stand this word because of this moment. Um, but it's almost just like this ethos of these words in the world and how people use them to describe other people like um, that makes you uncomfortable with the word and like makes it feel like dirty instead of just like directly having them like use like daggers at me at least. Yeah, the power of words is something that is so interesting. And you're, you said you're, you write, you're a writer and you sing. So you're kind of, and your work um, is around words as well. So it's neat to just think about the power. Yeah, all the words, all the time. <laughs> when you were talking about your journey with the word fat and that thinness for a time became the goal, were you dieting and doing weight cycling? Like, did you do all of those things? things that so many of us have mm -hmm. yeah um yep yep I did all the things check that box um I just did a podcast like I think not this weekend but the weekend before last where we talked about food and I was talking about a lot of dieting and food and the relationship to food and you know remembering a lot of things that I feel like you only remember when you're like giving an interview or like doing a podcast um and so that was like interesting to remember and so some of that has been coming up this week in um when I'm writing um I'm right well I'm working on some songs and so that's a thing and then also I mean I know we like had like the whole like pre like what are we gonna talk about um and then I was like I'm a singer and I saw your face go like oh and I was like oh should have said that um but <laughs> i am releasing a new song sometime i think either this month or next month and it hinges um very much on like our worth is more than our bodies and it's more than our weight and like um like it's it's called a game of worth and i'm like very excited about it but also like this whole singer's journey has been hard because like I was never the kid that was like, Nia, go sing solo. It was like Nia singing the chorus. Um, and now it's like me and the microphone. And that's like a little terrifying. But um, yeah, I definitely, I feel like that comes across like in some of my music and like in the writing that I do and stuff. Oh, it's amazing. I can't wait to listen to it. I love, I mean, I think about 
you know that song uh was it called victoria's secret by Jax? so good yeah and it's so interesting how that i was very surprised at how um wildfire viral like that song ended up becoming and because it really is about what we're talking about like the way that we have been indoctrinated to think a certain way about our bodies entire work to it and how it's basically all just you know i forget what the song lyrics are but like some dude in utah or something like basically all capitalism um and company priorities um so I'm so excited that there's going to be another, like you're putting a song out into the world that is exploring that as well. Cause we don't have enough of them. We need way more songs like that. We really do. We really do. Yes. When you're getting ready to release a song and you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to, we can totally cut it out. <laughs> but I, the first thing I thought of was because this is my, this is like my thinking is influencing this question as well. Whenever I do something big or especially in the past, a little less so now, but I would always get this little internalized fat phobia that I still can't get rid of thought around what role is my fatness going to play in this big thing I'm doing? Is, is that showing up for you as you're stepping into the limelight? I think that shows up no matter what I do. Like, I think... I think there's always a question of like, sh- like not even should a fat person do this, but like how, like what other fat people have done this? Like what is the repercussions of it? Like, am I representing fat people appropriately? That's a big one. Yeah. Like ugh, it's, it's a, it's a big thing, but I mean, I feel like this one in particular, like it is about bodies, it's about weight, like it obviously carries a different stigma for me to be singing about it. Um, I think I, I literally was like in bed crying, I think yesterday morning because of Lizzo's Grammy acceptance speech. And like the way that she was just like, I have just tried to put out positive music and like Like, I've just tried to do it for, like, so long, and now there's people doing it. And, like, I was, like, but, like, you, like, you, like, you showed up so that the rest of us could show up. Like, oh, my God. I just, I adore Lizzo. I adore Lizzo. Right? Lizzo. Yeah, she keeps bringing it. And she keeps, she keeps putting that stake in the ground again and again and again for all bodies especially fat bodies and oh it's just it I feel like it definitely gives me courage to do things I'm like if Lizzo can do it I can do it (laughs) I think also like the fact that in that speech she was like the only like the only reason I can do it is because Beyonce did it and I was like like I was literally on the phone with my friend I was like why do we not deserve Beyonce I was like I "I don't understand (laughs) Oh, so good. Um, you'll be sharing your song on socials and everything, right? We'll be able to oh, find it and course. listen to it. Yes, okay, great. Definitely. Great. Definitely. <laughs> um, when did you step away from diet culture? When did you, was there a moment? Was it years? How did you break free? When did I step away from diet culture? I know when my eating disorder recovery journey began, and I feel like it was very entwined in that. Um, this would have been about 2017, but there was still a point because I started my eating disorder recovery journey at the end of 2016, where I like look back and I was like, oh, I was doing recovery and like it was, I'm like, no, you were, you were, your head was still in the sand. And you were still actively, like, even though you thought you were recovery, recovery, like, you were still eating disorder in disguise because the people surrounding you were not, it was pseudo-recovery. Um, they were not supportive in that way. But um, I think, when I want to say it was around the summer of 2017. Um, there was an influencer at the time who did, no, okay, I guess even before that, maybe 
it was that summer, but um, I can point to the moment that like I first went viral as a body challenging moment um, in that I specifically posted a picture in the first bathing, bathing suit that I had bought um, in like five years. And like, it was a two piece. I was like, I've never bought myself a two piece. Um, it was cute. I was in the torrid dressing room and I was just like feeling myself. And I was like, I'm gonna take a picture. I'm gonna post it to my Instagram. And I didn't really have like a big following then. Um, I probably had like, it probably wasn't even that big. Like it was, it was relatively small. And um, an influencer with a large following reshared my photo to her feed and was like, oh my God, this is amazing. You have to go follow them. And like, it blew up. Like, I remember like, I think I like was probably taking a nap and checked my phone and was like, what is going on? Like, what is happening? Um, And like, you know, like it, like it, it was honestly like kind of like a private moment and like you're in the dressing room, you're taking a step out there and posting it on social media then it gets posted even further on someone who has like 300,000 followers account. And this is before like we had Instagram stories. So like people only shared to their feed. And so like, I was like, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do. Like, um, and so like Yahoo news wrote an article about me. I was like in all these little things and like, and then I learned, this is the first time that I learned very aggressively. Like I knew ahead of time, but I learned aggressively. You do not read the comments. Um, because there were 87 comments on this Yahoo article. Like I still know that. And two of them were nice. No. Two of them were nice. And there was, there's this one girl on my account at the time who was following me. And I had like posted, I was like so excited about this. And I remember she went through and commented on every single mean comment and said, and like stood up for me. And like to this day, like, oh my God, like thank you to her. Like, but like, I think at that point, like there was no, there was no, there was like almost like no going back from that. Like you, you kind of just like, you figure out how to like keep running with the train, like essentially. And like, at that point, like I did like a, like the same influencer did like a self-love challenge for like a month. And I did that. And like, I started talking about my body more. I started discovering like what body positivity at the time was. I was reading, I was searching all these things. And I think that was probably the awakening moment um of like my journey that's pretty amazing that that had you stay in fat liberation fat positivity as opposed to being like oh god no especially if this is soon after eating disorder recovery like still in it very early in it yeah it's a precarious time and that this moved you in that direction is incredible i think also i had I don't know when, like, this had probably been, like, a couple years, if not a year, but I had definitely just given up on weighing myself. Um, like, there was a period where, like, I would weigh myself multiple times a day, um, write it all down, and I remember just, like, one day being, like, I don't want to, I don't want to know if I gained weight. Like, I am literally terrified of the fact that I gained weight, and if I don't look at the scale, it didn't happen. Um, and so I just stopped weighing myself and then like soon after I got really tired of dieting and dieting just sucked and I hated it. And like, so I stopped trying to diet and then I went to treatment and you couldn't diet in treatment anyways. So like that wasn't going to happen. Um, and I think I was a little relieved to be in treatment and be like, I don't have to diet anymore. And it's like doctor's orders. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you're really not supposed to do this. Like they told you you're sick enough. Like, oh, and that's a whole downwards, like that's a whole rabbit hole right there. But I, I needed that like validation of like, you're like, you're good if you stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Wow. 
So how did all of this lead to starting your own podcast called the Body Trauma Podcast? What what took you there? I mean, that's that's like a two to three year jump in which like I kept doing the work. I posted lots of pictures of myself in my underwear online. Um, <laughs> I'm always like when I date someone and they like find my social media, I'm like, please don't scroll all the way back. Uh <laughs> You really don't have to go read all of my um, well thought out poetry if you don't want to. Um, and like, um, but I, it was honestly like, I feel like a pandemic project, like a little bit because it was 2020 and it was earlier, 2020, like I think like March, April ish. And I was like, I'd, I'd wanted to do a podcast, but honestly, I was afraid no one would come on it. And I was like, mm-hmm. can't do a podcast. No one's coming on it. Like the, the idea of doing a solo show didn't even cross my mind. I was like, if no one's going to come on the podcast, no one's going to listen to the podcast. So why is anyone going to want to listen to me? That was exactly my thoughts, too. I knew I didn't want to do a solo because I'm not very good just talking out loud. I always need an interaction. I need like the uh, I just need dialogue. But my whole fear, I was like, I'm doing all this work. I'm like, who am I? Why would anyone say yes to me? Why would anyone say yes? Like, I wrote down like, you know, the like big names that I'm like, if I could, if I had a podcast and I really wanted someone to come on it, like it would be these people. And like, um, my friend was like, well, why, you know, some of the people, like, why not just ask them? And I was like, (laughs) I was like, okay. I'm a try, <laughs> but you don't understand. Like, like, what if they say no? What if they say no? I know I'm with you. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> luckily, they said yes. Uh, and luckily, I mean, honestly, like, I, I kind of knew some people. I mean, I knew a lot of people, but like, I kind of knew people like a tiny bit, like, so I could like get my foot in the door a little bit. Um, but it was like coming up with like, what is the concept? And like, I absolutely adored food psych. Um, I love food psych and I wanted something that was like more related to like what I was into, but like still potentially eating disorder related, still potentially trauma related. Um, And I like came up with the question of like, what is life been like in your body? And um, and I was like, this will be my question. Like, this will be my thing. I'll ask people this question and then we'll go from there. Cause that's what Christy Harrison does. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. so, and it worked, it literally worked. Um, and honestly, like I got, I got like quote unquote lucky in some regard because I did have a following people wanted to hear from me. And I got a lot of great names. Um, I got a lot of people before they got even more popular and famous. Like the the week of um, Amplify Melanated Voices in 2020, um, Alicia McCullough's art like episode dropped on that Monday, which was just like what I had planned. And of course, like she had planned the whole Amplify Melanated Voices thing. And so she went from having like, I think like maybe 30,000 followers, something like, nothing to like thumb your nose about but like not not like what she has like now which is over 200,000 followers and she went up to that in a week um and so like I a little bit wrote the coattails of that um but (laughs) so like and then I just like kept bringing on amazing people and like I have little connections that led to bigger things so like I actually ended up getting body pasta panda megan crab to come on and like that was like like that was like i've i've made it like i'm i'm good to go like i'm fine now um like i i she got on the podcast and i was like i just have to tell you i still have the screenshot from when you first followed me like i was like this was like back in like 2017 i think i was like i saw the screenshot like it means the most to me um like yes how amazing is it to be able to meet these people that have been so influential in your own journey? Yeah, for me, that moment was 
Aubrey Gordon. And I actually interviewed Aubrey and it went live. And it was like, like that was my, and it was so interesting. I was like, okay, do I just stop the podcast at this point? Like, <laughs> you're like, have I, just, have I yeah. made it now? Like, am I good? <laughs> and it wasn't just her, like Reagan Chastain, Virginia Soul Smith. Um, I'm going to, I feel like I'm giving an Emmy speech where I'm going to fit half the people and, and, and have them upset. Um, but like all these amazing people who I have followed and looked up to and, oh, Virgie Tovar is coming on and we talking to Virgie. Like these people Love who, Virgie, yes. yeah, who like, it's hard to not fangirl when I meet them because I'm always like, do you know that you're the reason why like I'm here in some ways, like loving who I am and doing what I do? Like it's, it's so impactful. They were so impactful and it just, it always reminds me. And I think this is where, it, you know, being an influencer, sharing photos of yourself in the torrid um, change room in your underwear. Like we don't even know who's watching and how they're being impacted. And it's just so wonderful. I feel like one of the gifts of podcasting is being able to invite those people on and thank them really. Just be yes. like, yeah, it's been such a yes. joy. Yeah. Yeah. I um, love that. So your podcast, the body trauma podcast will obviously link to you had mentioned when we were talking about what we're going to talk about <laughs> around this idea of fat secrets was kind of the topic of your last series of episodes. I'm so curious, what do you even, what does that mean? Fat secrets? I want to do something special for season two, which still has not fully come out yet. So if you're looking for season two, you're not missing it. Um, but I want to do something special for it. And I was like, if I invite a bunch of fat people on and like, hear their like hear their story of course because that's the name of the game but like I was like I think I want to ask them like what is a secret that like only fat people know but I was like we but like and so I was thinking because like I I have these thoughts I have these thoughts sometimes where I'm like like what like what do I wish I knew as a like a baby fat and like that like you didn't know and like there's so many like I don't know like there's just like things that like you find out when you're in the community that are like kind of secrets but like I don't know like it's like like you wish you knew this before and that is I think like what I think that's what I meant when I said fat secrets but like every person who came on and told their fat secret it just like went semi-rogue like I don't even know like it wasn't even like it wasn't even just that I don't even know if it was like me not articulating it right or like what but like um people just had like all different kinds of like secrets that like they feel like fat people should know or like secrets that like they only found out after they were fat like I think someone was like sex is just so much better if you're fat like and then talked about that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I don't, it went rogue, but it was also like great. So I can't wait to like release that. But oh, me too. Yeah, totally, totally interesting. Yeah. Do you have a fat secret? Some of it's kind of like brands that like I didn't know existed that like it would have been nice to know about. Um, and like that would be nice. I think also like, anything to do with like flying wall fat seems like a fat secret and like I'm now in like some really amazing fat Facebook groups where like where they like take your hand and like guide you through the process and like help you and like if you have a question like oh my gosh someone's there like oh my gosh like I didn't like I just so many things you just like don't know until you get to that level of fatness sometimes and then like people are like oh yeah that's a thing like like I I remember like this is kind of vulnerable like I remember I think this was like a year or two ago like this I was really struggling to like I mean we're getting real here y'all like to 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 wipe my butt like it was so hard to wipe and I had the most shame about it, like the most shame. And I would like go into therapy and I would like talk around this topic. Like I would talk about shame and like things I was struggling with. My therapist was like a very thin white woman. I mean, 
my therapist is still a thin white woman. She is a different thin white woman, but my therapist now so much better. My therapist then problematic. I didn't know it at the time. Obviously there was some part of me that did not feel safe enough to like bring this up to her in therapy because I would just talk around it. Um, and I remember like finding this Facebook group one day and like, I can't remember who sent me to it or like what, but I was like, I'm just going to post in here. And like the number of comments of people being like, either this is how you deal with it. These are the solutions or people being like, I didn't know. And I've been struggling with this. Thank you for asking this question. Cause I never would have asked. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Those Facebook groups are invaluable. I think I probably read that post because I was like, oh, someone asked it. I, and again, I was one of those people I was like, yes. And so grateful. Thank you. Cause there's all these, I mean, it's so interesting because it were one of the solutions is this, I think it's called a bathroom buddy or something, but basically it's like almost like an, like a, I don't an know, extended arm, an extended arm. Yeah. Thank you. And that really had me think a lot about ableism, you know, and how, you know, this is a basic, it's a basic need. I mean, everybody poops. There's even a kid's book called Everybody Poops. And people are so ashamed and embarrassed to even ask. And then when you, but within that kind of fat chat community, the support that comes, people were linking to the different devices they use. People use squirt bottles. People have portable bidets. Like I was like, when I remember reading this post, I was fascinated. I was like, this is amazing. I had no idea there was this much support out there. Cause also people were saying like, I mean, talk about flying. I mean, oh my gosh, I will not even like, I refuse to even look in a bathroom on a plane because I'm afraid I won't fit. Um, like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So that I, it's just, yeah, these groups, these kind of where fat secrets get shared is just so, so helpful. I love this idea of fat secrets. A lot of people are going to be talking about it on your podcast. Yeah. The bathroom thing's a real one. Like, I mean, when I go to a restaurant, I'm like, okay, what's, what are we going to find? Is this going to be a tiny stall? You know, do they have accessible ones that usually have a bit more room? So I'll be more comfortable. I mean, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah. But there's a lot of shame around it, too. Yes. It's a mess. Like, oh, my gosh. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing about it because it's it's important. We need to just demystify this stuff. I need like other fat people to know that like life is not as hard. Like, because I feel like I thought like life is so hard. It's all my fault because I'm fat. And like, I didn't have anyone actively being like, it's not, it's not your fault. Like you're, you're just living in your body and the world sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. And then those little bits that can make it that much easier. Yeah. Oh, so good. So your influencer account, the friend I never wanted. Yes. Tell us a bit about that. Another thing that you do. Yeah. So that's like, honestly, where this, this is the account that I started in 2017 to chronicle. Like I didn't even, I wasn't, I didn't even set out to chronicle my eating disorder recovery journey. It just happened. Um, so that's where like I went viral. That's where like. I have taken all of the underwear pictures. That is where I've written super intense poetry and also done like super frivolous, funny things. Um, it just feels kind of like home. Like I just know that like I can show up there for the most part as myself and people are accepting and open and like caring. And I just love it so much. Um, it's really where like I get to be a part of the community. Yeah. Tell me about the name, the friend I never wanted. No one really asks that. And I'm always like so excited because like it just cracks me up that like it's still named that. I, I feel like I've seen like so many other friends who like have gone on to be professionals, like rebrand their accounts, change it to their names. And I'm like still stuck here with like my like first and only username. Um, and Anyways, it, um, 
it started because I, I went to a support group for eating disorder recovery um, or community eating disorder support group in 2016 with some amazing people. And there was this one girl there who always just like pushed me to be like brutally honest about things and like would just call me on my bullshit time after time, um, which honestly like is how I became like who I am in recovery and who I am to other people who are also in recovery. And um, she really shaped like that whole journey for me. And I remember we had like one group where we were talking about like our eating disorders and we're like, oh, it's just like this like friend that like just won't leave us alone that we just like didn't even ask for. And like, so like basically it just became like the friend I never wanted and like, Originally, like, it was, like, ED was, like, uppercase and, like, all those things, but. I like that. I like that. I mean, that's very coachy is, like, having someone kind of call you on it. And then you've gone on to become a coach, right? That's kind of the work that you're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. That is exactly what I'm doing now. I am, like, breaking in to the coaching community. And I say that, like, because I'm doing it, like, formally breaking in, but, like, I've honestly been, like, coaching people on their businesses for like years I just like never gave myself the title or even made people pay me I just would give people free advice and would like hand out free advice because I guess like I just didn't think that I was like worthy of like people paying me like I was like I don't I don't know how to like fix everything so like um I'll just like tell you everything that I know and like I'll help you with your social media and your business and like all the behind the scenes stuff. I'll like redo your website to help you. Like what didn't I do to help people? And like, and like, so I have like this wealth of knowledge. Like I've grown at least two businesses, if not more at this point. And um, I just basically have done it on the side. Like when I've worked full-time jobs. Um, But yeah. Yeah. So now formally stepping into that taking the steps to like be a good coach learn the coaching process like all of that and like figure out like where I fit in the spectrum of coaches um and really just honing in on that yeah and you're focusing also on supporting fellow neurodivergent coaches so tell more about that I think that's really interesting too Yeah. So I'm actually in like this course right now um, where I've like, I think the most important part about being a coach is like finding like a mentor. And so like I have this mentor that like I've consumed far too much content. Um, I have drunk the Kool-Aid. She's amazing. And um, part of her process is like finding out like what your niche is. And so like I have already done a good amount of work, which is finding out, like, I want to help neurodivergent people who also, like, coach, but, like, maybe also business owners. Um, I'm always, like, trying to do all the things, as as we have determined at this point. Um, I think also, well, actually, no. Something that I know is that a lot of ADHD people specifically and, like, neurodivergent people in general, like, there is this fear of like, I am not good enough. And if I keep the net of people that like I help big enough, then like, I don't have to like specialize. And then people will still like, feel like maybe I'm talking to them. But what we know is that like, when you do specialize down to like, this one specific person almost like, that is when people come. Um, That is when people want to work with you, because you know who you work with. Um, and so I want to also like get really good at like my craft so that I can help other business owners, other coaches, whatever that looks like when I finally figure out like what my one person is, um, with their businesses. But so far in my previous work, like I have ended up helping like neurodivergent business owners, um, and entrepreneurs help them with their businesses because, I feel like we just like vibe, right? I feel like it's just like the vibe. Um, and yeah, I'm just thinking I, it's, I work with, um, 
or have worked with another coach who focuses on writing coaching support for people who are neurodivergent. And it's so, I think that's a, it's such a great way to specialize, to niche down. Um, and she has HD, sorry, she has ADHD as well. And so it's kind of, like you said, that vibe that happens, like she feels she can really relate, support, flex in her, how she's supporting them depending on yeah, yeah their, what their needs are, what their accessibility needs are. Yeah, I think it like really helps to have someone whose brain sort of works like your brain because I feel like a lot of times with like neurotypical people, they don't understand like the struggle that it is just to like do something. I I don't know when I came up with this like comparison or like this thing that I think about when I think about like trying to understand things, but it's like um it's like if you ever like if you've ever been bad at math, um hello it's me. But um if you've ever been bad at math and you've had to learn like a hard math topic from like a math teacher and the math teacher's just like, well, it's just like da 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 and you're like, no. And they're like, but you just you just do the thing. Like it just and this is when I decided that learning math from people who are good at math, I hate. Yes. Yes. I only like learning math from people who are bad at math because they're the ones who understand that I need like the five extra steps to get to step one. Yeah, that's so true. And like the the people who are good at math, which coincidentally turn out to be the people who like teach math um, because the people who are bad at math generally don't want to teach math. Um, But they just like their brains just get it. They're like, this makes total sense. And obviously it's step one, two, three, four, five. And then we have the end of the equation. And I'm still over here like, what is X exactly? Like, and so like, that is hard. Yeah. I'm thinking about how that actually, I think that, that when I think about that, when you put it that way, which I've never thought about before, that makes so much sense. Why oftentimes experts are the worst people to learn from they can be really challenging if they don't yeah because if it just comes easy for them how would yeah no you're just making so much sense you're actually kind of blowing my mind right now I'm like oh that makes I really get that I get that analogy in a really deep way and I'm thinking about it's so true yeah yeah how when as your business building and all these ventures that you have how does your neurodivergence show up like and how do you have tools? Like, how do you, how do you support yourself? I definitely have tools and support because like I need them. Um, but like for me, like there's a period, I mean, honestly, like I started my first business in planner stickers because hyper like that was a hyper focus. That was a special interest, obviously. And now if I had to like use a planner with stickers and like all the colored pens, like in the way that I used to, I would like, oh my gosh, I would hate it. I would hate it. I can't stand it. But so like, I know for me, like I order like one to two notebooks a year and I just write everything in these notebooks and everything stays in these notebooks and these notebooks are just my brain. Um, And like, I'm very particular. Like I tried to order like new notebooks this year and I was like, no, no, go back to the other notebooks. Like we, no, no. What's your notebook style? Because people are picky. I work with writers and they're very picky. I I like here. It's it's this one. It's like called personal planner. And they're like spiral. I love a spiral. I get to pick the cover. Like I designed the cover. I went like all 90s on these. You did. Um <laughs> and it's just it's straight dot grid. The entire notebook is just dot grid. It's just tiny dot grid and I can like, you know, flip it on one side, write on it, flip it on the other side. It just makes sense to me. And like, no, like I tried to order like a lay flat, like soft bound. Nope. Didn't work. (laughs) Didn't work. (laughs) Yeah. I'm spiral, but I need, I like the big, I like eight by 11 and I like lines. I tried dot. I couldn't, I I tried to bullet journal. I just, 
Yeah, I needed, I need the lines. I think because my writing is so messy. It just got bigger and bigger and just stopped working. Like I could fit like nothing on the page because I was just like sprawling. So I find the lines help me. Yeah. When I, you'll, you'll like this when I, um, I am a creative writing coach at a writing studio. When we were in person before the pandemic, we had a gorgeous little studio in this cute little neighborhood in Toronto. And we had all these amazing bookshelves. And one of the bookshelves was for people because people love to gift writers notebooks but what they forget is that writers are very particular about the type of notebooks so it was like bring us your notebooks that you have been given as gifts we will put them on the shelf and so people who love that type of notebook can get it so it was like a give take notebook so <laughs> that is the best it's like the little library it was but, but for, for writers. writer notebooks oh my yeah. god i love that <laughs> it was amazing i love that because <laughs> other people are like no i can't do spiral i only like this and i'm like i can't do anything but spiral and so yeah it was just like this free-flowing notebook little library <laughs> that is hilarious <laughs> isn't it that is so good <laughs> yeah like i honestly have had to figure out like what works for me and like mm, i don't like anything else and like like these literally, I think the place is like in, I think the company's in like Australia and they ship from like Sweden. So like, then of course, like when I order them, like after I put it off for like a month that I'm like waiting for like three weeks, cause like they got to ship them and I'm like, it's worth it. It's worth it so much. For all of you, those of you who are listening, who really love this conversation, you're welcome. For those of you who are like, why are they talking about notebooks? Special interests are real. <laughs> right? Special interests. I know. <laughs> well, and I think it really connects to like this idea of tools that work for you and finding your own supports. And also, you know, it again, it always ties back to me for worthiness too. Believing that I am worthy of finding a way of living, whether it's a notebook or a bathroom that work for my body and that I get to have preferences and I don't have to suffer. I feel like. And your brain is included in your body, by the way. Right. Yeah. 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 So I think, I think it's all connected. Like this permission to give ourselves what works for us and that that gets to be okay. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I, I feel that 110%. And especially like in a world that like doesn't always let you have what you need as an accommodation, like accommodate yourself in all the ways that you can. Like you are worthy of that, definitely. If you had like a couple, maybe like top three practical tips for people living in marginalized bodies or holding marginalized identities, like what would you say? Like what's, what wisdom do you have to pass on, Nia? I am big on curating your social feed if you're on social media. If you're not, please, please tell me more about what the rest of the world is like because I'm very <laughs> curious. Um, what's I it think, like out there? I'm like, yeah, what, what are y'all doing? What are y'all do all the time? Um, I'm very big on just curating social media to be like helpful and like fulfilling and like if it is triggering unfollowing and if it is disconcerting unfollowing block the ads um that sort of thing yeah i don't know if people know this do you want to say more about that you can actually block ads by like like i don't know all the steps but you totally can you totally can i can't remember exactly where the post is but i followed it and i blocked weight-based ads and that's been amazing and then I will also just like tell people, like tell Instagram, like, nah, man, that wasn't what I needed. Um, and that's fine. I'm also like the person who like saves the ads that I do like for later. I'm like, I'm not going to buy this, but I also really wanted these really expensive um, dog hair proof sheets that cost $300. Dog hair proof sheets. I don't even understand that as a concept. Why do you think I saved it? I love that. <laughs> Need to do more and more research. I love it. Yeah. So tip number one is, yeah, curate your feed. And that includes blocking. I just saw recently, actually, my husband showed it. He goes, oh, did you know you can block 
ads now in Google. Like, so in, when you're doing Google search, you can block out weight, weight based, weight and diet based ads, which I hadn't known. So I think they maybe just, you know, where it gets me the worst place, the worst place for weight centric ads is Pinterest. Oh, I don't spend a lot of time on Pinterest. I don't spend a lot of time on Pinterest anymore either, but it's always like this specific diet is for you. And it's literally like, eat only bananas for the rest of your life. And I'm like, <laughs> who asked you? Bananas. Who asked? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's something ridiculous all the time. And I'm always like, oh my God, stop. Stop. Um, okay. What my other one would be, I think just like, like finding ways that make you feel comfortable or as comfortable as you can be in your body. Um, and just kind of like saying fuck it to like the things that like aren't great about things. Like for me, like I bought or I didn't buy, I leased a car in 2022 or 21 or something. Um, and didn't know like what car to get. So like I ended up trying a few cars and I was like very determined that it had to fit my hips. Like I was like, I've known from renting other cars that like, I like, mm, if it wasn't going to fit my hips, I was not going to be happy. And like my, I have a Subaru Outback. Um, I love my Subaru Outback. Like it fits my hips and it is comfy. Like I, I think something that like I take that doesn't get taken into consideration is like, I'm not tall, but I have a large butt which means that I have to sit farther back and also my stomach. And so like, that's important too. Well, and then being able to reach the pedals. Oh my gosh. Yes. Butts and hips the way they are. I know. I know. I struggle with this in cars too. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Again, another fat chat thing that I saw recently was like, okay, what are the cars that fit? Yes. I feel like that one often pops up and I'm always like in there like super outback for me like <laughs> based on my yeah. size and like all these things um another thing that I bought that was ridiculously expensive um but I love it is Keith and Keith is my couch oh you've named your couch that is that is a good couch then. technically my therapist named my couch Keith um and Keith is like Keith is like deep and like like he fits my entire body and like I got like the protection plan added on. So like the lady was literally like, if you know any bodybuilders and they like sit on your couch and break it, like you're covered. And I was like, great. Cause I literally know a bodybuilder and he comes and sits on my couch. <laughs> I'm gonna need that. But like, so like if for some reason it broke cause I sat on it, it's covered. That's it's so covered. good. That's so um, good. Another one like that is Big Fig. I know Big Fig is like expensive and like slightly harder to like, um, what is the word? Like get if you like, you don't have the money, but like I recommend it as like a comfortable bed. Like the bed that I had before the Big Fig literally like broke. Like it was, it was just like, admittedly it was Ikea. It was it had been through like two to three moves. It was on its last leg, literally, and it broke. And like, I would not, I would not go back if I didn't have to. Um, so those are like different ways that like I have bought things to accommodate my body in the world. Yes. I love that as a tip. Yeah. Like there's, it. you have to search harder, but you can find good things that will accommodate you. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not sure where to start, these Facebook groups are like, people have opinions. They have things. They've tried it out. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I think the last one is just like, and I feel like this goes for like all marginalized people, is learning, like learning what you need so that you can advocate for yourself. Um. And it's shitty that you have to advocate for yourself and that the world doesn't automatically just accommodate you. And because the world is shitty like that, we have to know how to do it for ourselves. So like there is the fact that like I, 
for the most part, unless I am like strong armed into it, will not let people weigh me at doctor's offices. Um, I will ask for reasonable accommodations in the workplace if I need to. Um, I try and like, like, I don't know, like I always try and ask for things that make my body fit better. So like, even like when I'm flying on planes, like I always do pre-board. I always immediately ask for the seatbelt extender. And I'm not like, I'm not like trying to do like a drug deal with the seatbelt extender. I'm just like, I need one. Yeah. Like I need one. <laughs> I used to do the drug deal a long time. Right? I stole one, didn't return it, carried it with me <laughs> until I was called out by another airline that was like, um, I don't think that's the right one. I'm like, it fits. And they were like, nope, you got to turn it in. <laughs> I had like my, my was it confiscated, confiscated. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah oh my gosh yeah. and like honestly another one like I think it's hard to find these because like legally it's like a gray area so it takes with a grain of salt but um car extender seat belts yes I saw yes. about that recently I didn't even know they had those I always have one in my backpack because I end up in lifts or ubers sometimes when I'm traveling and then I don't like the seat belt won't close and I don't want to awkwardly I don't want them to turn around and be like, put your seatbelt on. I'd be like, I can't. Um, and I don't want it to be awkward. And also, like, if you're sitting in the front seat, like in a passenger seat, it'll yell at you if you're like over the size of a small child or my backpack. Um, and so, like, you need a way to clip it. So, like, oh, my gosh, it just pisses me off. Um, so I carry that as well. That's so smart. I should do that. I don't really leave my house that much right now, but as the world opens up and as I start to do more, I'm sure I'm going to encounter that. And I hadn't thought about that before, huh? I definitely got it when I was riding in my friend's car more often and like their car would yell at me and I was like, we're just not, we're going to have to figure something yeah. out because this is going <laughs> to drive me up the wall. This is now a toxic relationship. <laughs> we gotta like I don't like your car and I'm the only one who can drive now. So yeah, well, it's true. That's become the default in my house. My husband's car is uncomfortable for my body. So I'm just like, I guess I'm driving always. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I, these... I absolutely love driving. So like, yeah. it's a thing that me I too. will do anyways. But yeah. yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Um, those are great, great tips. I love how they're all about honoring our bodies as they are in the world and kind of in a way encouraging slash demanding that the world <laughs> treat our bodies, you know, with dignity and respect as much as possible. So it's great, Nia. Thank you. One more question, which of course is about joy. So how do you stay connected to joy? How do you continue to turn towards joy when, as you say, the world is pretty shit? Um, what, how do you manage the other side? How do you stay grounded? That's a really good question. I think, I mean, I, I honestly deflect with humor. Like it is my job. Um, it might as well be if you ask my therapist. Um, <laughs> but like, I definitely stay connected to my friends. My friends keep me grounded. Like even when sometimes I feel like I'm a balloon and I'm floating away. Um, and they're like, no, 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 grounds down here. Um, and so like we laugh, we talk. I talk to um, my best friend every day for about 45 minutes when she drives home. So like I'm always talking to someone and um, I also do this thing. I, I can't remember when I started this, but um, I, I, I obviously spend a lot of time on social media um, and I have a saved folder and it's called Make Me Smile. And I literally every time something comes across my Instagram that I'm like, I laugh or is funny or like I smile or just makes, sometimes makes me cry. Um, I will save it to the make me smile folder. And like, sometimes if I need a pick me up, I will go back to that folder and like look through. And I think it's like, I think there's stuff in there from like 2020, like 2019, like it's been, it's been so long. And I just like, we'll scroll through that and find some things. And like, that's always a really like, it's always there for when I need it. Um, oh, my God. That's bonus tip number four. I love that. I'm going to start that. What a great idea. And it's so simple. It's just like 
bookmark like oh you're there anyways you might as well save it like also i mean as a social media manager saving posts helps your favorite content creators true Um, so yes oh beautiful uh nia it's been a joy to talk to you thank you i'm so excited for all the work that you're doing in the world and you know it it does it has ripple effects and um i'm just so grateful to have been able to experience some of those with you oh yeah it's been great no this is so much fun (laughs) thank you Before we go, I'd like to read a poem because poetry can reach our hearts in a different way. Poems can have us feel in a different way. And that's what this podcast is all about. Expanding our hearts, deepening our empathy, and inviting in joy. So each week, you get a new poem. In my conversation with Nia Patterson, I was so taken by how many things they've done and are doing. They are an artist, a writer, a singer, a business builder, a coach, an influencer, a social media manager, and more. <laughs> um, and the through line that I heard as we were talking was that their deep and abiding commitment to choosing their own worthiness came first Uh, basically to live well in a world that doesn't believe in their inherent worthiness and i find that found that deeply inspiring so for this episode i've chosen a poem called will know nothing by arisa white deep inside the quiet deep parting of private seas to leagues of muscular chance there is a love to be lost and broken, rearranged like blocks, whose name we spell is not the issue. It is us not willing to pay attention to architecture, its integrity, whether it will last the shake. We go story after story, thinking the roof will know nothing of the ground. Thank you for joining me today. My hope is that you're feeling a little less alone and a little more seen. So until the next episode, you can find me on Instagram at fatjoy.life, on YouTube at youtube.com slash at fatjoy, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash fatjoy. Please do check out the show notes for how you can connect with my amazing guest and for the links to the poem. All right, lovely. I am sending you off with my best wishes for an abundantly fat joy day. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.